0: You're listening to Underestimated, real stories from real women, discussing how they've overcome everyday hurdles and rose above. We will not be underestimated. For my first time listeners, I started this podcast with the idea to create a children's book series that empowered girls. And quickly realized that there are many more real-life stories from women I know that I could take and repurpose for my children's book series. So I created this podcast, interviewing strong women and hearing their experiences of overcoming hurdles. You'll even hear a brainstorming session at the end of every episode where we work to plan out how we can translate their experiences into a children's book. I'm speaking with Val Santos today, the newest host on Hot 95.9 in Austin, Texas. I met Val years ago. Um, We worked together at iHeartMedia, and there she owned 102.3 The Beat. Um, She had multiple shows on that station, and I personally think she's a great example of never giving up and always working in what is a really hard industry to succeed to get where she wants to be. So today we're going to talk to Val, learn about what motivates her and how she gets through some of those tough times and how she ended up where she is today. So I'm getting to the point, I don't know if you had a chance to, um, read some of the notes that I sent you, but I started this podcast cause I wanted to work, write children's stories for little girls
1: Aww. that are
0: empowering stories of women, but like, you know, tailored down to little girl language just so that they have opportunities where they see children's books with like little girls as entrepreneurs and little girls yeah, as astronauts. Yeah. And so the story i it's gonna be like a Ruthie and Chloe series, and Ruthie is the character's name based off of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> I just bought her book <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. I, oh, I might on Amazon, yeah. Oh, I might need to grab that as well. Um, and then Chloe's my dog, so of course, you know, Ruthie and Chloe, right. Um so I huh? that's cute, yeah. So I was like drinking wine in bed and was like trying to write children's books and was leaning on my own experiences and was just kind of like, there's got to be more out there. And I was like, I know tons of women that have these type of experiences of being underestimated or overcoming hurdles or being undervalued. And why don't I just create a podcast, get their stories, create content for adult women, and then translate that content into a children's book. And yeah. then Dan came in with a little tail end, like, and then once you have the children's books, you can create a podcast for little kids, too. That's amazing.
1: That's amazing. That is, I, that's, like, I've not even heard that together. Like, that's so amazing.
0: It's, a uh, yeah, it's the only thing that's really, like, that. I, it's just driving me. I, I love the idea and the idea of coming up with stories that can influence, like, my nieces and maybe one day my daughter and... For
1: no. sure that's amazing because you know as we get older like like my daughter and mm-hmm. you know, young girls moving forward will have those like women's empowerment things you know as when like we were younger it was like we hadn't because you know I grew up in the 90s and so it was like the feminism like feminist like we're tro- like mm-hmm. not peak, you know what i mean but but we had that but we still had the shows that always made women out to be like the crazy possessive ones or how to talk their, you know they're into having a baby and like you know like we're mm-hmm. the crazy emotional ones and we still have those um like words and those quotes that are like oh you're acting like a woman or you know like women are dramatic or, you know so now that we are being emotional being emotional and dramatic when it's like okay, or jealous, and it's like, okay, have you seen men before? Hey. So we it's have... like, no, I'm just reacting, thank you. Right. <laughs> I'm emotional, and I know how to express my feelings, and so, and we've had all these, like, negative connotations towards us that even in the 90s with, like, the feminine, femi- feminism movement, like, going strong, you know, it was strong in the 70s and 80s, whatever, you know, you know what I yeah. mean, but the 90s, there was, like, the TV shows, and it was just the pop culture aspect of it, uh, but they still had the shows that we look back on that we loved, at least for me, that was like, oh that was a little little iffy, or like all those stupid teenage movies. Um, that was like the girl had to be like either a virgin or like non-nerdy, mm-hmm. you know, so we have we lived through that era. But so we saw that stupid BS that we're still like rolling our eyes to that now you and I as adults that we're kids seeing that like now we have the opportunity to like change that conversation with little girls turning in to young women and, you know, and so it's just a different, different day, more opportunities.
0: I think that's why I'm wanting to do this is because I grew up and I said this on my last episode that I just released yesterday or today. It came out today. Okay. <laughs> it's just doing a weekly one. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> You'll get used to it. Yeah. Um, So anyways, uh, I said, uh, like, that was something that I dealt with as a growing up in a small town is I was very closeted about being very motivated and driven by wanting to have the freedom and not feel pressure to do one thing or the other as a female. Mm
1: -hmm. And uh, I was very closeted. I
0: was a closeted feminist growing up. (laughs) Amen. I was too. I was
1: too. Same thing. Yep.
0: And like, I mean, even now, like if I go and talk to like my twin brother or like some of the guys from my hometown, I like tone it down significantly because I'm just aware of my surroundings.
1: You know what? I, so I grew up in a small town in Arizona as well. And I, I felt like my whole life was always battling sexist jokes, racist, racism, period. And, um, And I was, I, for a minute when I was younger, I felt like I had to tone it down and because I wanted to appease everybody. And I was just like, F that. I can't, because you know what, if we tone it down, that means we're not fighting. We're not, not that we're not fighting, but it means like we're, we're still, we're still trying to make them feel comfortable in their sexism or their racism or their, you know, the prejudice, whatever. And we're like, suppressing ourselves at the moment to appease Mm -hmm. these people that don't want to be confronted with the truth. And so I, you know, I still get labeled as like snotty or too good or whatever, when it comes to people in my hometown, because I have always, you know, as a joke. And so I feel like when you're in your hometown, I feel like you should never have to like, and I understand there's a, there's pick and choose your battles, you know what I mean? Like at Thanksgiving and then you're like, I'm just going to shut up right now. Um, because I don't really want to have like a fight over Turkey right now. And I just want to like eat my mashed potatoes and gravy and like, to, I get that, you know, but, but it's just, it, I mean, it's a hard balance. It's like, okay, well, like I want to enjoy this moment, but I'm also like, I'm not going to stand for this crap, you know, this right right now.
0: Yeah. I think that's uh it's something that I certainly, um, need to learn a little bit more about how to approach that in a tasteful way that I'm comfortable yeah. with uh right. I think everybody has their own lane they go into I have certainly become more vocal as I've gotten older and yeah just, same and so I've, I pick and choose situations but I can certainly get a little bit louder and maybe this is my way of getting louder about it
1: <laughs> that's so true you're you're getting you have a platform now you know and in the and the more momentum it gets you know the more people are going to like relate to your story like
0: it depends on the situation that I'm in like mm-hmm. how many people because uh, a lot of times it feels like it's just like this wolf pack mentality and when the I enemy mean, it happens mm-hmm. it happens for most opinions that are in the mainstream media like it could, the same thing could happen with liberals that have what are our popular views that you get a pack of liberals and one Republican, all those liberals are going to attack that Republican and vice versa. (laughs) Yeah. We just have to, we just have to
1: learn how to, how to have conversations, Mm -hmm. but you know what I mean? But I think some people confuse what is having a conversation versus saying something offensive and not learn, not realizing that it's offensive. You know what I mean? So my, my problem has always been, I always have to say the last word, and so, like when my, you know, my even when I was a kid, I remember my mom like, "You always have to say the last word," and I'm like, "No, I don't." And my mom would be like, "My mom be like, you just said it right there," and I'm like, "You just said the last word." You know what I mean? It was always, you know, it was it was just like battle back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I, I just realized with some people that I was like, man, I really am just trying to get the last word in, when I just need to shut up because I try to see the point of view, and I. What it all is doing is creating a circle of chaos, and it is not healthy.
0: Yeah, I find that I those conversations are less toxic. Um, when you're having an opposing view with somebody, if it's one on one versus right. a big group, that's whenever I've been able to um, talk more. And, and it's just, it's, I think it brings me more to middle ground whenever I'm talking to somebody that are, you know opposite um political
1: lines yeah i mean it's just and we're in like one of the craziest political climates right now and so it's just it's just the craziest political climate the best anyway
0: yeah all right so before we go in any further into a just
1: went right into it we're like hey
0: well, it's been a while since we've been able yeah. to, like, see each other I, and chat and catch
1: up. So, there's so much that's been going on. We had not been able to catch up, like, at your desk or anything when I would, like, stop over there. And, like, we just talk about whatever's going on, you know? Right.
0: The the latest in the news and the crazies. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever Netflix show
1: or, or I mean, like, I mean, so much has I got laid off. It was like, I got laid off. Kobe Bryant died. There's a pandemic. It was like.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's uh it's been crazy. Um I do have to say I feel like iHeart was my family in Austin and I mm. I miss all the people <laughs> that I met there. So much. I
1: mean, like the people, especially in the Austin market, I mean it's family for life, you know? Um just I mean like think about when I got pregnant, like immediately I everybody was like, ah! it was like it was like the 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 mascot child of even though other even though other parents like those other women who had babies in there and everybody loved obviously but it was like something about that everybody was just like ah and like they, I had a what uh, a gender reveal party there and oh, I had a yeah. car, everybody raised money for me and I was like I got flowers into the hospital I had coworkers pick me and my daughter up from the the hospital and bring me lunch whenever I was off and it was it's just like the most incredible family ever.
0: It was, it was so tight knit. I loved it. All right. So like, I just need to introduce you. Real quick. Um, so anyways, I am talking with Val Santos today. Val and I had met almost seven years ago. Yeah. Oh God, I, I remember you like you, when you first got there. I know. I, uh, what is like, you were like a saving grace. Cause I felt like everyone there was so mean when I first started, I guess you guys went through like a, a thing of like rotating new wow. account executives or something. Yeah. yeah. But it was like, I had to be there for a year and a half before anybody was like, Oh, okay. She's sticking around. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: You, you never knew who was going to leave or stay. You never knew who was going to be like, um, reliable or trustworthy. You know, it's a, it's a doggy dog world in radio, you know,
0: I think media in general is just, media. I mean, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so um, Val and I met at iHeartMedia in Austin, Texas, um, mm. 2013 is the year. That's crazy. That's so crazy. I started I was, in May. I was brand new, and
1: then, like, I thought I was an OG, but I was so brand new, and then, like, you got my ass crazy.
0: Yeah, so um, I met Val at iHeartMedia Austin. Back then, it was Clear Channel. And, and then however, they changed the logo. Yeah, and then they changed the logo but didn't paint the water tower. <laughs> Still yeah. says Clear Gel. Still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But Val has been just a smiling face that I was so lucky to work with throughout my six plus years at iHeartMedia. Um, she's an amazing on air talent. She was on 1023 The Beat that entire time worked her way up to be on the morning show um, and definitely went through struggles, trying to get there, went through struggles, like making it a, in a career as an on-air talent in radio. It's not an yeah. easy gig. It's not, it's not an easy gig. I, I truly
1: feel like my whole career was just like struggle the whole time. A lot of love, a lot of happiness, but it was still just like on the business side of it, it was a lot of struggle, um, but it was, I love my career and uh, I was definitely heartbroken to see it go. I just felt like literally everything that I went through emotionally, physically, mentally, was just like gone in front of me, you know? And it was like, uh, especially on the beat, you know, I was there from the very beginning. It was like not even a year old when I started on it. And I started on the morning show actually there with my former program director and I did almost every day part you could imagine and it was just like I just loved it and um you know it's just uh but I I don't regret anything I just love my career I, as we mentioned earlier we just, the, the the Austin the I Heart family in Austin Texas is just like the most amazing people you will ever meet in your life The family that will just they will do anything for you. And I just will, I just, I'm so grateful.
0: So why don't you tell us a little bit more about how you started off in radio and how you decided that that was your passion and kind of walk us through. Cause, um, if anyway, I have like listeners in Florida and California, mm-hmm. all over the States and they may not know who you are yet. Right. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I have some random listeners in the UK and <laughs> okay. Canada. I don't hey. know how I got them, but uh-huh. shout out to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hope <laughs> if you like what we talk about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Worldwide. <laughs> right. <laughs> um,
0: anyway, so tell us a little bit about how you started in radio, why you decided to go down that career path, and then the steps you went through and the struggles that you've gone through in that career
1: path. Okay. Well, as you know, I'm in radio, so I talk a lot and I'm talking to person. So I'll try to make this compact, but I'll do my best. I guess to start when I was little, I, you know, I grew up in a small town and all we had was one country radio station in K99. I loved it. Cause it, it was George Drake, Garth Brooks and all that. But I, I'm an R and B soul child. Like, love me some hip-hop and R&B. And that was the music I was completely drawn to. So I lived right outside of Vegas. And so we would get the the Vegas stations in there. And so it was like, you know, the Puff Daddy, Knicks, all that stuff, and the stuff that I just love. And I remember it'd be fuzzy, like the station would be fuzzy in the car, you know? My grandma would be like, girl, you need to change this. And I'm like, I can still hear it. I can hear the music, it's fine. She's like, oh my gosh. So, um Then I remember back in the day in the 90s when you had the boom box, you had a you could put like a cassette tape in there and press play and record and speak into the speaker and it would record over like the cassette like a microphone. So what we would do is we put on the radio and then put the antenna up to get the, you know, the Vegas station and we would record all the songs on there and then whenever it was the commercials, um we would make our own commercials so i remember it was like do you want to make more money it was so stupid anyway um fast and then whenever the jocks would talk um <laughs> i would record over them and i would be the job and then talk into the next break so fast forward you know i kind of just forgot about that passion but radio is everything to me so when i lived in phoenix listen i would listen to the midnight mombocita in phoenix arizona and just they played. I would be leaving Ruby Tuesday because I was a server, like had a horrible night, made no money. My favorite part of the night was leaving at 11 o'clock at night, and it was the slow jams. It was the midnight Mama Sita playing all the slow jams, like 112 and stuff. So I was like, that was my like grounding, that was my calmness. And so I just, but I didn't, cl- it didn't click to me that that's what I should be doing because I would be requesting songs all the time. Like that was me. I was that listener. And, um, Fast forward, I was at a Chris Brown concert pre-controversy in 2008. It was at the U.S. Airways Center, and I remember the the DJ, they had the the whole setup and the interns and everything. The DJ Joey Boy, who was my homie now, which was crazy. Um, he'd be like, oh, who wants to meet Chris Brown?" I'm like, "Me!" And it was like there was a crowd in front of the DJ booth. Like, they, I mean, the tent. You know how you know how to setting up tents? Remember our remotes? It was like nobody there. Yeah. Like, you know, back in the early 2000s when radio was like that kind of stuff was really popping. I mean, everybody was there. You know, and I was in Phoenix though. You know, and so yeah. in front of Concert in 2000, and was it? No, 2000, it was 2008. Sorry, you know, but that's when, like, because radio really shifted maybe two years later, as far as that kind of stuff. I was like, ah, I was like dancing for like trying to like win the dance medal, whatever. And I was like, and it clicked in my head. I was like, this is what I should be doing because I love music. I was, I let, I sing, but like, I'm too scared to sing. I too, you know, I, and I took um these music classes, but I didn't want to be a producer. Some people would catch me in the studio just like, Sing my ass off, you know. I remember EJ, remember EJ from Kiss FM? Yeah, he we would just be kind of just jamming in the studio, or whatever. And he would look at me like, What you could sing? I'm like, No, because if I don't think about it, I just do it. So, but I could not, my anxiety is too high to where I could not do it in front of people. I did not want to be famous, none of that. So, I was just like, Oh, this is what I should be doing. Fast forward, went to school for music business, yada yada, yada. I was depressed in Phoenix as I. It's like, I'm in Arizona my whole life. I got to go. My sister and her family moved to Albany, New York, because my brother-in-law's mom got cancer. And so they want to be close to her. Fast forward. She was miserable, blah, blah, blah. She's like, move out here. So I did. And um, good news is she survived cancer, which is it. But it brought me out there, which is crazy. Hated the East Coast. And then my friend that I worked with in Phoenix was like, move out to Austin. I was like, okay. Because I had no kids, had no husband, nothing. Why not? I'm in my 20s. Let's go. You know, this this is time to do it. And um, so I applied for my internship at Clear Channel. And at the time, you could not, you can't get an internship there now. But at the time, I mean, I got a a call from the marketing director, an interview on the phone, which is like, they didn't do that. 10 minutes later, she's like, yeah, we'd love for you to be our intern. And then I flew out there July 15th and started my internship July 18th, 2011. And... I made sure they kept me there. I was like, I can do this. I can do that. I can do that and that, and this and that, you know, and I did everything I could. And, and I got my foot in the door job and basically stalked the morning show guys, Zany, you know, at the time. And he was like, shoddy, you sound good. And, um, he, I know he's the, uh, did you know Zany?
0: No, he was before oh. my
1: time. <laughs> oh my God. Zany was the best. If, if, you knew him, you would understand why I said it like that, because he just was just the coolest I think
0: he literally left probably like a month before I got <sighs> there.
1: Man, Zany was like the biggest cheerleader for me. He was like, he sounds so good. Like he he I got my first um endorsement with him and um he put me on the morning show with him and he really straightened me out, man. He was I was when he when they let him go it was probably one of the like top five most devastating parts of my career, but you know, it was, it was cause of him and he still like, he sent my baby stuff when I had her and um, he's still family to me. And so he was just, it was amazing. So, I mean, it was just, that was the start of it all, you know?
0: Yeah. There was um, some talent you included that was let go this last round. And it's just, I guess every time it's always rough and it's, the industry nowadays, it's it's what the industry has to be.
1: Yeah. I think that the biggest heartbreak of it all is because I know the market president didn't want that to happen. You know what I mean? And I know that all the higher ups were just completely devastated and it wasn't them, you know what I mean? And, and I, I don't blame them at all because I know if they could hire me tomorrow, they would when they can't, but, um, You know, I, I, I know that they had, he had a really tough time calling me Mm -hmm. and, um, I absolutely love and adore him and I'm grateful that he made me feel good that he was like, so like heart sick that he had to call me and let me go, you know? And, you know, he was like choking up on his words. And so that made me feel really great. And, And I heard about the meeting that he was just really choked up and devastated and, um, So that made me like, okay, you know, obviously he wasn't like, gotta let that go, F her. You know, he was, he was truly heartbroken about it. And it wasn't his call at all.
0: Right. I think it's, uh, it's one of those things that anybody in that type of position, probably the hardest thing they'll ever have to do in their career.
1: Oh my God. It made me like, I will never want to be a market manager. I would never want to be, I could not do it. Just
0: can't. Yeah, I, it's just something that I think is a part of corporate America. That yeah, I mean, great. I even saw it at my new company here. Um, no,
1: oh my God. I, You know how bad I wanted to work for a company? I was like, oh my God. I could just keep reading all these amazing things. I'm like, still, I still need to look for a part-time job. I'm like, if they need a part-time, whenever they you know are hiring. But um, I mean, that company, all the good reviews, all the benefits, all the I'm like, oh my God. There's companies that actually do this for their people. Like this is crazy.
0: It's really amazing. One of the things that drew and it was it was hard to leave iHeart. Like I I battled <laughs> <laughs> Going to this company because I was like I loved like I said I had the iHeart family in Austin today, I but it was well, just
1: the people but remember it was just the people
0: I loved what I did too it was uh it was more so the I'm, uh, saying, I'm saying like the benefits and stuff oh uh, yeah, yeah and all that was trash that's so. exactly one of the reasons I left is like the benefits weren't there um you know I was getting serious with my boyfriend and looking ahead five years if I want to have a kid I didn't want to do what one of these Super amazing women did and like would yeah. go on maternity leave, take this huge pay cut, and yep. uh, <laughs> huh? like I did, yeah. Like I did, yeah. And then like come back and have to basically start from scratch. And it's like, no, I put too much work That's into this. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to start from scratch because I had a baby.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was difficult. I had to I had to um, borrow money from my four hundred one k and pay that back, and that took a big part of my paycheck every paycheck, and it was just like. Huh? you know, I still owe $7,000 in hospital bills.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's a good company to work for. It has, uh, one of my favorite things is they have this program that allows you to try out other positions. And if you do well, and there's a position that opens, you can eventually move to that role. So that was something that's not particularly available in media at the market level. So (laughs) Gotcha, gotcha unless you wanted to move to other cities and I'm not willing to do that no. no Austin's home. um okay so tell us a little bit about a time and I feel like you're gonna have a lot to say about this uh, when you have felt underestimated
1: well okay so what I realized is there's things that we don't get over as like when we're younger and it like carries when we're older right so when I was For example like when i was younger i was a really great softball player i was a really great uh second baseman and i was aggressive and i kicked i remember one year i kicked and then i let um i just felt intimidated and i let my mental get my head and because the coaches you know a small town small town mentality they picked people who were not as good as me but they were like closer to them And so I was, every day, I was like, every game I was on the bench, you know? I was like, I'm the best second baseman out here. Like, why am I sitting on the bench? Like, this is crazy. I felt underestimated. So fast forward in my career in radio, you know, I, since my primary job wasn't on air, I was a social media director and all this and that and the other, I felt like I wasn't being valued as an on-air personality like all the other personalities in the building were. So I always felt like that like oh that's your secondary job even though i was making having the endorsements and having clients request me and all this stuff and i still felt like i was being undervalued and underestimated and when it was time for me to ask for more money i didn't ask for more money like eight years into my career eight (gasps) years to finally say i deserve to make more money i have this that and the other and i got completely denied completely I felt at that moment, like back in softball, where it's like I just felt defeated. Where I know I'm one of the best players. I completely felt like I was not being lifted up the way other on air talents were. And I let it defeat me. I really let, like, am I not as good? Am I? Then I was like, no, F that. Because I knew at the time I was one of the best, the best second baseman on the team. I let, my mental, I let my mental kill me, kill my game because then when it was my time to shine, when I finally went in, I missed every ball or I left that, you know, I completely failed. I'm like, I'm not going to do that in my radio career. Okay, well, I'm going to show you why I deserve to make more money because it was like, if, if my, I was on, I was on with my endorsements. If I was off, I was like, someone has got to give. If I don't have any endorsements, I should still be able to like live my life. I'm a single mom. you know. I've never had a raise in my whole career. Like so It was just very defeating and very, like I felt like I was so undervalued. And to be mansplained to every day of my career was just exhausting. And as a woman, when you speak up about it, you basically get told you're either being dramatic or just be patient. I'm like, if I hear just be patient one more time, I'm going to throw something because I've been patient. And here I was over eight years. I felt like that was my whole career. I felt like my whole career, I was trying so hard to show that I was worth it, you know? That you
0: was worth getting an extra pay or like, yeah, getting a raise. And so, it, it, yeah. And to feel like that from my superiors. Yeah,
1: for sure. So what actions
0: did you take to prove on
1: paper that you were worth this? biggest thing for me was like my my relationship with my clients was solid I love my clients and when my clients found out I got let go they raised hell called the company why and why the hell did you let her go Pulled all their spots, pulled all their, you know what I mean, and that to me, that to me right there was like my clients that were like pissed, and my listeners, listeners, not my same listeners that like messaged me on social media every once in a while. It was listeners I had never even spoke to on social media or anything that were like, "Well, hey, where are you at?" You know what I mean? It was those are the moments that made that validated me in my career was. People, people I didn't even know, even like from competitor stations, that was yeah. truly the first time in my career where I felt like, whew, I really had an amazing career. I was successful.
0: Like, I mean, to be on a station in any market for seven, eight years, eight years, you were eight, on there? eight and a half, eight and a half years. That's like you ingrain yourself in that community. Those listeners that are those P1 eight listeners. Years listening to 102.3 to be like, you're, you're part of their, their livelihood that, yeah. not their li- that you know, their commutes there. Yeah. They, you build a
1: connection with them and that was I think that was like the most heartbreaking thing for me was like, because I didn't know if I was going to get back in radio. I was like, screw this. I, you know, it's, like a hard, it's like when you have a breakup, you're like, I'm never going to date again and I'm over it. I think I told you, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to get back in radio. I want to do something else that's fulfilling and, and um, I will say I did find a, a part time job that's fulfilling. I work for my good friend Courtney Santana's foundation Survive to Thrive. It's to help the Domestic violence survivors. It's incredible, and so I um, do part time work for them. I, I I've hosted events for them in the past, and I, I met her through my career in radio, and um and so that's the thing. Like I'm gonna keep doing that, and um, the people that you, you like affect, and you don't realize you do affect, are just like, that's just the most crazy. Like my really all, all I do is talk, you know, and they don't stop talking, obviously. So
0: I think you certainly had an impact, though. Like, if you, like I said, you were on that station for eight years, I longer than any other DJ that was on that station. Yeah, <laughs> you are. Yeah. The,
1: it was so, a brand new. It was a baby, and it just kept rising and rising and rising in the ratings. And I was like, um, I was like, don't underestimate this. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this worth it. You know, and so so. I, for all the Austinites that listen, there's I'll be, I'll be back in Austin. I'll be back on air in Austin. I'm
0: not leaving. So yeah. you'll hear her soon. Stay tuned to find out. Yeah. Where. Exactly. <laughs> so you came back and I think that's one of the things that, uh, what did you learn from constantly clawing? Like who did you seek out for guidance during that time? You know, um, I
1: had to like truly like tell myself like you deserve to have a great career. You have to, you know, like I had a lot of mentors and stuff, but like it was me who had to sit there and like really come to terms with myself. What do I want to do next? And, you know, and, um, and be honest with myself, you know, I'm like, I want to throw away radio like you idiot. But also I learned what I learned from my last company is now I'm not going to settle for less than what I'm, what I deserve. I, I really had to just be in my own thoughts and really just like get my life together with my daughter. <laughs> but I did I just have do a
0: little self talk.
1: Self talk, you know, and because of you know, I, I'm I've always been independent, and it's been it's it's hard to rely on other people for me. You know what I mean? And I've had people that are like, if you need help just tell me you need help, you know, but I will say, you know, Bob Pickett, obviously he has been one of my biggest like supporters that he would, whenever I tweeted or like Facebook something about me never going back on radio again, he called me, you better, you better <laughs> get up basically. Like you're so talented. You need to get back on radio. Like he would call me and like talk me into it and be like, what are you saying? What are you doing? You don't like, you don't deserve that. Like thought process. You're amazing, you're talented. And so that, Bob, I hope he listens. Like he truly, Bob was like my number one fan. And I just, I'm so grateful that he like kept me like, you know.
0: Kept you in it. Uh, radio, especially on air, is super. Our, I mean, I think of some other names that have been on that station for decades. Not not the beat, but uh, other stations in the market for decades that were huge names that were let go and then just times and times again like it's and it truly I think one of the biggest things if you were to take anything out of that situation was it really has nothing to do with the talent that you provided it had everything to do with the industry changing and find ways to limit uh costs and uh,
1: yeah and I I think that that was like one of the the biggest like it was good and bad to know that like it was like you know people like oh you know people who people who don't understand were like oh well why'd you get like oh like okay well it was money you know what i mean but you had to like truly understand it, it was not my it was not me i did not do anything wrong because i like i said earlier our market president was completely devastated to give me that call and um and i know if they had to make the decision they would not let me go you know it wasn't based on talent or work or work ethic or anything you know I would still be there if that was the point but it was literally just like how could they shave numbers off of this okay. paycheck and how can we save money and okay well this person you know whoever was doing that big picture number like they didn't know anything that had if they would have if it was if it was a, not a black and white area if it was a gray area where they're like doing community, all this other stuff that she's gonna stay. But at the end of the day, it it's the best thing that's ever happened to me because I was like, I needed a break. I was burnt out. I was, it was just going through motions of the same thing. And, and I even told myself, I'm like, how much longer can I do this? You know what I mean? And so I think I needed this wake up to like re-energize me to figure it out what I want in my career and to realize I want to do multiple things and not just one thing, you know, like working for Survive to Thrive. It was a blessing for sure. You
0: know, I think that's what most people find that comes out of situations like this is mm-hmm. it gets themselves out of a situation more often than not that they're not thrilled with or just, yeah, you know, they're kind of stuck, um but even if not even if they loved where they were it gives them an opportunity to find something else they may have not stumbled on before and a potentially a better situation
1: if to me to completely leave radio on air would just be so stupid for me because that that's my passion and that's my love and that's that's what i know i'm good at because i take pride in my career i take pride in the community in austin and i i don't want to go to a job where i'm like yeah, I'm good at, but like not have that like fulfillment, but I've learned to, to how to balance my happiness in my career.
0: So tell us something. What is your proudest achievement in general in life and career?
1: You know what? I think, I think, okay. So teacher who I loved dearly, but he was a realist and he was like, you know, not a lot of women, you know, make it to their careers. By basically said like women sleep their way to the top, and I was like ugh, yuck, right? Because he's old. He was an old school radio guy, right? Old school, and I was like ew. But he he but he believed in me. But he was like just letting you know. And a lot of people don't like go into the format that they want, and a lot of people don't go to this, the market that they want. And to me, I was like watch me, you know. So I ended up getting the format that I wanted, the market that I wanted a woman on air who was like a top person on on that station without doing anything sleazy. And I think that was, you know, and also coming from a town that was so, you know. Yeah. Not very cultured. I think for me to like have such an amazing career and do all that against all odds was
0: just like. You helped build that station and you were a major part of that station and it just, I think it just only goes to show the reaction that the community had whenever you were no longer on that station. And it's also a testament if you think about it, how many major national syndicated shows, this is one thing that still drives me insane to this day. How many syndicated shows do you know of that are led by women? That's not a blah, 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 insert male name show blah blah. male male name,
1: male name, and the woman, you know, yeah. and, I, and one thing I, I will say, um, it's not a lot. Right. So, so Frankie I V I can't even
0: think of any, I honestly,
1: well, can't. I, I can't, think there might be one. Not You're, syndicated. So in San Diego, back in the day, it was Frankie V and Gina back in the day and Frankie V Frankie V does afternoons on the beat. Right. Now it's Gina and Frankie. and And so what my big what my goal i would say what my goal is to be Val, and you know what i mean i want it to be me as a front runner or you know whatever i want to be a female i want more women to be programmers i want more women to be the first names and the leaders of morning shows and i want the whole like depiction of women hating to hear women on the radio to be gone I want that why is that even there I don't get it I was told that it was like whenever whenever um it was like (laughs) scheduling stuff for a station uh, told me you know you know women typically don't like to hear other women on the radio and I said that is complete bs I said women like to hear strong women on the radio. We don't like to hear women who are like, ah, oh my God, like yeah, like we don't like to hear stupid women on the radio because guess what? The is all look stupid. We we want to hear strong women leading the show. You know what I mean? I'm so sick of women being the Hollywood entertainment. The, the, you know, the, the
0: skinny, pretty picture, but not the voice behind. Also like the dumb logic,
1: (laughs) stupid thing. We say stupid things on the radio. I want women to lead morning shows. I want more women program directors, especially women of color. Like we need that for all
0: formats. You're getting me fired up. (laughs) I'm just like, some of my favorite podcasts are led by women and they're blunt. And by any other name, they're probably called a B word. But I love them. I'm like, no, this is, hey. this is them being a bad, a bad, bad,
1: B- bad mama, bad mama jamma,
0: a bad mama jamma. Thank you. I don't have the experience you do. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, if, 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 if I can do it, <laughs> can learn it. right. So, but they just, I, that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because Knowing people like you and hearing something like that is so infuriating. That luckily, on my end of the spectrum in media, for the most part, I will say I lucked into having a lot of advocates for myself in that mm-hmm. department. So yeah. I did well because of that. I don't think you can survive an account management role <laughs> that depends on leads if you don't have somebody I- advocating for you. I could literally never survive
1: that role. I would be cursing people out every day of my life.
0: So. Oh. Well, also on that side of the business, women were taking over account management because women just have a knack for it. We know how to develop sure. relationships and talk to people and build trust. Amen. By the time I left, women ran that department. You <laughs> well, Uh, I just got a message from my cousin. She actually uh, worked at Clear Channel in Beaumont when she first started out. She's a few years older than me. Um, But she was like, I just listen to your podcast. I love it. And it just makes me so happy.
1: (laughs) You know what's so so good about it? It's like, it's so just personable. You know what I mean? Like, it's just conversational. And I think that's what people love about podcasts. Because I've heard people podcasts that are just so robotic and... Like, you're not trying, you're just like letting it flow. And a lot of people don't have that. It's a, it's a nap. And you got it, Crystal.
0: Oh, thank you. It, I, I don't know. I just know that I'm blessed to have somehow made it to surround myself with these amazing women like yourself. And, oh, <laughs> It's so true. Like I'm a big believer that you are one of the people that you surround yourself with the most and spend the most time with and those opinions and lifestyles influence you. So I think Mm -hmm. I was really lucky to have somebody like you and all the other amazing women in my life and can't wait to keep talking to all of them. (laughs)
1: Well, I'm like I'm truly genuinely I'm like so glad that you asked me to be in your podcast, and I've been following your podcast since you, I saw it on LinkedIn and stuff. I was like, oh my god,
0: this is our podcast! I was so excited. So yay! Okay, well, after Great. after recording, we'll have to get in and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I know okay. you have some tips, so I'm gonna get your tips because you've I been doing to. this a lot longer than I have. Thank you. Um, all right. So, how do we cut through some of this stuff? Like. What do you do to motivate yourself? Like, what do you do to pick yourself up? You've gone through some hard stuff.
1: Um, I just breathe and I have clarity and I look at her and being smiling and happy and active and we're not aggravated with each other. And I'm just like, whew, okay, like you are my motivation. I don't ever want to leave you. I don't ever want you to leave me. I always want you to have everything that you can have. We're going to get through this. You know what I mean? You just have those little moments because there's times where it is just frustrating. But, you know, I will say I just I sit, somewhere, I just sit on my couch. I just look around and I just am like, okay, I have this beautiful daughter, this cutest dog in the whole world. Like everything's going to be fine. This is not permanent. I worked way too hard to get us to the point so where we're at now, there's no way that we're going to fail this. and There's no way that things are going to go bad. I just try to put it in perspective. I've gone through worse in my life, and I don't want my daughter to ever go through that worse. So I got to be good, you know. So those moments, the perspective gets me, you know. It's not easy, but it, it gets it gets me like, okay, girl, it's just us. Like, nobody's going to fix it. Just, yep, just do it. Nobody, there's literally not one person that can make this better for us, except for you. Get it together, get your feelings together and let's go, you know.
0: So what I just heard you say is what motivates you is being a role model for her, knowing that she can can do it all. That and
1: also like knowing and, and selfishly, like knowing I can do it. You're You're stronger than this, girl, get up. But also allowing yourself to be emotional, allowing yourself to be upset. I think a lot of people get it twisted where, especially as a single mom, you feel like you're not allowed to feel that way. You're not allowed to feel emotional. You're not allowed to feel validated. You know, you are. And that's what I I allow myself to do. I'm allowed to be mad. I'm allowed to be, like, irritated about the egg on the wall, you know, stop reading the mommy blogs. Don't read the mommy blogs. Like you handle it the way you handle it. You know, not everything's the same situation and you are your own woman and you motivate yourself.
0: All right. So I have two more questions for you and you know it's getting late and I'm hoping she doesn't wake up (laughs) before we get to them. So the first one is, is can you think of a time that you have underestimated someone else in your life? Because I personally think we're all guilty of it underestimate under someone else um
1: oh my god that's so hard I'm just trying to think you know I think it, I think it's my oldest sister Jamie I love you <laughs> I'm gonna get emotional if I cry please do not judge me um so my oldest sister and I Jamie I'm just gonna her name because she's best she's like my best friend now um I'm essentially gonna cry I just love her so much so when we were, when we grew up, we hated each other, but, um, as adults, she, you know, she just grew up and I've never seen a person just like grow up so beautifully the way she didn't just, um, I'm going to cry. <laughs> this is so crazy. But her, I, I've lived with her for a little bit in New York before, you know, when I was going to school for radio and I watched her grow into her own woman and just like, There's times where I just completely like doubted what she was gonna do in life and just to watch her just grow into this amazing independent, like woman who does not take any crap and just like now always has my back, you know? And she's just, I underestimated her as a a kid and then our, and I'm in our relationship, and just to watch her now, and I look forward to what she calls me. I just like get excited every day because, she, and she inspires me every day. And she's like literally one of the strongest women I've ever met in my life. And I just like love and adore her so much. I'm gonna cry thinking about it. And if you would ask me about like 20 years ago, if I was gonna cry about Jamie, I'm like ew, she's the worst. But now she's like one of my best friends, and I just, I just love her so much. So.
0: All right. So anyways, um, it's getting late and I'm sure you're probably wanting to go. So the last thing I like to do is go through a brainstorming session because the premise of this entire podcast, like I said, is so I can hear stories from women and turn those stories into a common theme into a children's series with Ruthie and Chloe. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. So every book is going to be based off of a separate interview and a lesson we've learned from that interview. So we've got to brainstorm what Ruthie, AKA you is going yeah. to learn. in this quick children's book for a six, seven year old. Okay. About, I mean, it'd be fun to even jump off of something related with your sister. Cause I think that was a really cute touching moment okay. um, where Ruthie, maybe Ruthie has a sister and she doesn't get along with her sister and doesn't realize that that's a very, um, special relationship what can I
1: say is my mom my mom would always be like one day you two are gonna be the best of friends and we were like no way there's no way mom was like just wait and I feel like that was a moment I will never forget and we did not understand the time that we were gonna be the best of friends one day and we we are now you know
0: yeah so maybe Ruthie, AKA you, fighting with her sister, your sister's name's Jamie. Yeah, Jamie might make an appearance in the little Ruthie children's book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe you're fighting at six years old. What do you fight over? Colors? <laughs> Crayons?
1: <laughs> oh God. we uh, oh no, we've, um, oh my God. One time she put ants on my pants when I was little. Wait, literally? Yeah, literally put ants in my pants. That's a saying. That's not something that actually happens. <laughs> literally, like literally put ants in my pants. We, we were we were filling up the little kid pool back in the nineties, you know, and putting the hose in there. And I was sitting there, and she put ants in my bathing suit. And yeah.
0: Oh, we're I'm using that.
1: Yeah, that's the <laughs> first sure, child book because I remember there's like a some kind of book about ants in my pants, but this is like a true story of I I remember the sidewalk. It was like a tea sidewalk. And we had, like, the um, the, the ch- children's pool there. And I was sitting there with the hose. And she was a jerk and, like, put put the uh, the ants in my pants. <laughs> Gosh, she was the worst. But she's the best
0: now. <laughs> That's going to be an amazing story for kids. Because, well, hopefully it doesn't it. give them any ideas. But.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it shows you, you know, because, like, when you're younger, you truly think that, like, your sibling is, like, your mm, nightmare like your arch- mortal no. enemy I know. <laughs> um but you know jamie's my best friend now and so i just
0: well and now it's those relationships i know me with my sisters they are the strongest women i know and mm-hmm. i'm always amazed by how frequently they surprise me and they're that rock that you can go to whenever Sure, they can set you straight when you need to be set straight yeah. <laughs> you know
1: what When? whenever i'm wrong jamie will be like did you read the whole thing, you know, or, you know, and I'm like, no.
0: All right. So tell us about the new gig.
1: So I will be doing noon to 6 PM on Austin's throwback station. So it's hot 95, nine, which is like all the throwback songs that I grew up listening to in the nineties, early two thousands. And it's, if you know me, I'm a throwback queen and I love that. It's like the 112. Puff Daddy, like Usher, that era of music that is just iconic. Yeah, so it's – uh, That's the yeah, perfect
0: genre for the demographic in Austin, Texas. I think. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, because it's nostalgia. And that's – either people listening to radio love the nostalgia of radio stations or they love the brand-new songs they want to hear over and over and request, 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 you know what I mean? So it's like it's those two – things that people love about radio. So I feel like it's a good opportunity to catch the, that age range in Austin. Cause that's like, I'm the demographic. But even the young kids love the, nice. that era of music too. So it's just, I love it. It's, it's one of my favorite stations. When they flipped it a couple years back, I was like, oh yes. Program director is amazing. And it's, it'll be awesome to have like a female program director boss who's just running everything. So I'm very excited. I'm excited to be on air with one of my favorite stations in Austin, and I'm glad I get to stay in Austin, you know? And so I'm just stoked. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to sound like on air again? And I know Austin, you know, my listeners are excited for me to be back on air. You know, I was getting messages all the time, like, where's your podcast? When are you getting back on air? You know, I'm very stoked, and I'm so excited to be working for Nikki Knight. She's just amazing, and so I'm, I'm stoked. I'm so <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, how does it feel? Um, I really wanted to ask you this question. And I think it's very important. With coronavirus going on right now, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have uncertainty going on with their careers. And you just came out of how many months of being like juggling unemployment and uncertainty? Um,
1: I was I was laid off uh, January fourteenth. So,
0: what yeah. would you say to somebody that's facing the beginning of that journey? right
1: now um for me it was a lot of like self-reflection and i had people telling me like don't feel like you need to just jump right back into tomorrow like this is your time right now that you probably won't have this time off again you know hopefully you won't get laid off again but um this is really your time to self-reflect see what what path you want to go in your career you know and just take this time and and, you know drink wine at 11 a.m if you want and chill out and relax decompress don't jump back in it tomorrow, you know, just work on you. I mean, figure out what you truly want and go after it and and hang in there for sure. Cause a lot of people are going through it right now.
0: (laughs) A lot. Millions
1: millions and millions.
0: (laughs) I think some people need to hear that
1: and need to
0: know that it's going to be okay and it's going to work out and they're going to end up on top and most likely in a better situation. Um, Out of all of this, what is the biggest thing you've learned?
1: Um, I've learned that I am stronger than I thought, um, you know, it it was, you just keep going through things that you're like, okay, how am I going to get through this? And you get through it. And then you keep going through like even harder things that really touch your strength. And like, you know, my first, I think biggest thing ever was being a single mom, you know? And then now to have a, being a single mom, getting laid off and in a pandemic, like that really it's still testing my strength, you know, and I feel like um, some days I feel like I'm completely failing. But I, I feel like I've learned that I'm way stronger and more resilient than I've than I've ever imagined. And um, and just staying positive has always and and also knowing, like, just knowing in your heart what is the right path for you. Um, but yeah, just knowing that I've overcome so much, I'm like, damn. I would like a break. Okay. I would like things to be easy for a little bit, but wouldn't we all, but uh, you know, just, that's what I've learned.
0: I think you're going to love it there. And I think I'm so happy to see you back in radio and not trying to start another career somewhere else, (laughs) which I was trying to do. I I think Austinites are going to be excited to hear you back on a station and they're going to follow you. So Mm. I know that they're going to be excited to hear you on the radio again. Thank you so if somebody wants to reach out to you if they want to request a song if they just want to say hey Val what's up how do they connect with you so
1: um it's all Val Santos on air so like twitter and instagram at Val Santos on air and facebook.com slash Val Santos on air so
0: what is your preferred media
1: um twitter or instagram that's my those are my two biggest ones
0: all right, so we'll tell everyone to reach out to you at Val Santos on air, on Twitter, Instagram.
1: And listen on Hot 95.9 <laughs> uh, noon to 6 p.m. for your midday mamacita, I'm back. <laughs> uh,
0: thanks, Val. It's yeah, so great you, to have man. you on.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thanks again for listening to another episode of Underestimated, Stories for Women. If you enjoy my podcast, please follow me on iTunes, Spotify or Clips so you can hear my next story. This podcast is sponsored by Clips. Discover podcast highlights of your favorite shows at www.clip.ps.